A good day and welcome to episode 66 of the Plus One Player Podcast. I know, it's crazy. I am one of your hosts, Steve, and as always, as you just heard, I'm joined by the lore connoisseur himself, Matt Martinez. Hello, Matt. Hello. Hello. How's it going? (laughs) It's going well. And this week, once again, joined by the man who always has the high ground, Matt O'Neill. Hello. Happy Saturday, boys. It's a, a Saturday recording, and we're recording Saturday for actually a very cool reason. So, Matt, why don't you tell us... Why we're recording Saturday? Because on Thursday, I got to see Kotaku's split screen live recording in Gowanus in Brooklyn, um, which was very cool. I got to see Maddie and Jason Schreier and Kirk Hamilton. They're like really chill people live. They remind me a lot of us. Oh, do they? And the quality of their podcast also reminds me of the high quality of our podcast. (laughs) That is Uh, the perfect shameless plug. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, someone did, so they had a questions section, and like someone did go up and like shamelessly plug this mobile game, and Jason Schreier, without missing a beat, was like, that sounds like a shitty mobile game. <laughs> Not knowing anything about it, just based on the title and the fact that it was mobile. He was like, that sounds like a shitty gotcha mobile game. Oh, my God. It was, so it was brutal. I was like, oh. So that is why we're, we are here this Saturday morning. But it's great. It's a great way to kick off the weekend with you fine gentlemen. And, of course, you'll notice Manny is missing because he's actually taken a new role. And he is one oh. of the NPCs in the Division <laughs> 2 beta now. So nice. if Whoa. you're one of the lucky ones and you have the code for the Division 2 beta, go on in there. Say what's up to Manny. Snap a pic. Yeah, actually mm-hmm. go up to him and say a good day and welcome to him. He'd love that. And, you know, snap mm-hmm. a little picture. Send it to us. And we'll uh, we'll put it all over social media. We'd love to see our our community interacting with NPC Manny. <laughs> <laughs> but while he is trying to clean up Washington D.C., we need to start cleaning the house. So as always, follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at plus one player, and that's at plus the number one player. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash plus one player. So go check out all of our social media sites. And, of course, go on over to the website, which is plusoneplayer.com. You can find all of our content, all of our podcasts, links to our Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash plusoneplayer. We stream almost every single night of the week. And you'll also find links on the website and in our Twitter bio for our Discord community. So come on and join the conversation. We have a great group of people. And I know we actually have our book club meeting today. So the book club in the Discord is meeting about the first book. So it should be a good time. We'll have more to report. We'll have Kate call in and leave a voicemail about how it went so that way everybody who wants to read books with a great group of gamers <laughs> come on read in the books unless of course you're racist in which case you probably can't even read and after all that if you've enjoyed the content that we produce if you enjoy hanging out in the discord community think of heading on over to patreon.com slash plus one player if you're feeling generous throw us a dollar or two because every single dollar we make will go right back to the show to make it the best it can possibly be we have an amazing group of supporters and one of the topic of today's podcast was actually submitted by one of those patreon supporters because it's a perk that you can get by being one of those awesome supporters and of course can't finish housekeeping without mentioning the biggest patreon supporter and that's nerdiest brands the sponsor of the show but i'll tell you about them later And of course, before we get into all the fun of this episode, just a reminder, February 23rd, we are doing the 12-hour charity stream. You can find it on twitch.tv slash plus one player. We're teaming up with our good friend Jimmy Good of Critical Reviews, and 
Every single dollar that gets donated goes right to Canine for Warriors, who is a great organization, and their job is strictly to pair service dogs with veterans. They're doing a lot of good, helping out a lot of people, and helping out a lot of dogs along the way. So they're a great organization. You can find out more about them at canineforwarriors.org. So be on the lookout for more news on how to donate, and keep in mind, February 23rd, 9 a.m. Eastern to 9 p.m. Eastern, 12-hour charity stream. I was just going to say I'm excited for that. You know, we, I am too. They are they are a really good charity. You can check them out on like Charity Report, things like that. They they give a lot of their money right directly back into you know the the service that they're offering for veterans. Um, so yeah, we're excited to to do that for them. Very excited to pair up with them, and of course excited to hang out with our good friend Jimmy Good again. Yeah, we're gonna have a lot of fun streaming. I imagine we're gonna play a lot of games together, which will be a good time. I think what we should all do, because I'm pretty sure we all have PC, is we should all download Overcooked too. I have it on the Switch though. Oh, I do too. Actually, we we might be able to make that happen. I have a capture card, so I can make I can stream that. Uh. And with that, the house is now clean. So episode 66, we got some fun things planned. It's actually like a really laid back episode. This is a nice Saturday morning episode, I feel. So it's such Matt, a Saturday morning episode. What's on the Saturday agenda? Well, we're going to start off with Coffee Talk. Donna D is back and she is spicy. Uh, and then we're going to move into the topic of the pod, which was uh, delivered to us or suggested to us by our good old Norwegian friend, Faze. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, by the way. Happy birthday, Faze. I know that was a a little bit ago. In which we're going to talk about our four most influential games. With some honorable mentions thrown in there. It was incredibly hard to whittle that list down to four. (laughs) So four most influential games for us uh, personally. And then, uh, you know, we would love to hear from our listeners as well. Uh, And then after that, we'll uh, discuss some of the news topics that have broke this week. Uh including well i won't tease you we'll go into it later in patch notes <laughs> so i'll throw it over to donna she she's here in the in the studio all right welcome to coffee talk i'm your host donna d and this is the rapid fire show where our panelists will each give their take on a variety of topics in under 30 seconds each as we all sip on piping hot mugs of arabica coffee <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get started i'm dropping the boys off at little league and then the girls off at soccer and then i'm going to meet kathleen at the starbucks in town for a spicy chai all while my husband is on a business trip he doesn't care about me anymore all right what does he do for business uh you know banking oh banking <laughs> that son of a bitch something that like son that. of a bitch <laughs> i know he's got something going on with his secretary but we'll see oh She's That's got why nothing I, on you, Donna. Oh, thank you. That's why I drowned my tears in Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me get the timer. All right, and we'll start with Mr. O'Neill. 30 seconds on the clock. Apex Legends or Titanfall 2, go. Oh, Titanfall 2. I just... <laughs> Apex, I, Apex Legends is... I mean, we'll talk about it some more, but the biggest letdown for me is that it's a... <laughs> battle royale game and like i understand if you like battle royale that's fine i just feel like i can't get over the fact that i i don't like that type of game i don't like battle royale uh it's a great game but the best parts about it are the parts that are taken from titanfall 2 plus there's no giant robots time all right steven apex legends or titanfall 2 
Go. So I've only played Apex Legends. I never played Titanfall. <sighs> However, I do understand listening to you two go on and on about Titanfall 2 that it was a really <laughs> good game. And from looking at it from afar, because I watched streams of it, and it's very entertaining. The mechs are cool as shit. And yeah, Apex is a very good Battle Royale game. I'd say at this point, it's probably the best. But I lean more towards Titanfall 2, even though I haven't played it, just because it, incom- it incorporates a story. Time. All right, next question. Back to you, Matthew. Anthem or Destiny 2 or Apex Legends? Go. <laughs> what? I think I'll pick the one actual game out of those, Matt. <laughs> the only one that's an actual finished game? Yeah, I'll pick Destiny 2, I think. Um, it's released. You can buy it right now. I don't know what you had for breakfast, but... It's as spicy as a Spanish omelet <laughs> down at the diner. All right, Steven, same question. Anthem, Destiny 2, Apex Legends, go. I'm going to have to go. See, I, I guess we have to go with Destiny 2. But, you know, I'm going to throw a curveball. I'm going to throw it to Apex Legends right now because Apex Legends Ooh. has caught the gaming world by storm. We're going to talk about it later in patch notes, all the success it's had. It's also free to play. So... That's going to get a lot more people to actually pick up the sticks because Destiny 2, you now had to buy the base game and the DLC. Now they have the nice bundle. However, as of right now, I'm going to go with uh, what's hot in the streets, Apex Legends. Time. You know right. what? That's that. You're right. You know what? Apex Legends never ripped me off 20 bucks. That's true. So <laughs> That's true. That That is a plus. That's true. Yeah. I didn't factor that. Uh, all right. Team Deathmatch modes or... Team capture the flag modes. Ooh, Matthew, go. Ooh, that's a tough one. This is very circumstantial. Uh, there are certain games like I don't like capture the flag in Overwatch. I don't mm-hmm. think it's very fun. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. But I love capture the flag in like Halo. Mm-hmm. That might have been my single favorite game type. Like just getting in because well, certain ones didn't let you go in a vehicle, but like getting in a warthog or like a mongoose and swiping around the other side of the base getting the flag, jumping on, and driving all the way back with, like, a hail of gunfires. Like, That's your time. Ooh. Ooh. This was a topic he wanted to go in depth on. You can tell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was, that right. required a lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, team capture the flag or team deathmatch? Go. Capture the flag, hands down. Um, I always played capture the flag and domination in Call of Duty. Those are my two go-to modes. Even when I dis- I had an itch for a team deathmatch, I still played like a kill confirmed, where you still had to do something after getting the kill. I don't know, team deathmatch just never really struck a chord with me. I like the actual objective-based game, so capture the flag for the win. Time. All right, last coffee talk topic. I closed my timer. Here's my timer. All right, last, last coffee talk topic. Maroon 5 or Black Eyed Peas? Oh, Go. God. Matthew. I gotta go with Black Eyed Peas, I think. I think, I don't, there's more, like, a chance for something just weird as shit to happen. Fergie's just, like, a train wreck. She she might be, like, the worst, she might be the worst singer. (laughs) She's not a singer. Might be the worst professional (laughs) singer ever. So there's at least so much, like, meme potential from that. Whereas Maroon Cry is just, like, oh, this jerk took his off. (laughs) Steven, Maroon 5 of Black Eyed Peas, go. I uh, I mean this is this is just a no win a no win right here I guess I'm all oh god I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, Black Eyed Peas just because 
it, it maybe is the lesser of two terrible musical acts, if we're being completely honest. So I I, I choose them for no other reason than meh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's time. I love Maroon 5's got a lot of great hits. I have their CDs. I play them in my van when I take the kids to the doctor. Sure you do, Donna. And I got to pick them up from Saka and Little League. See you later. This is Donna D signing off. Bye, Donna. Another thrilling she's morning so, with Donna she's, D. She's really so busy all she's the so time. She's so busy. Oh, God. Yeah. She's running around. Good thing she's got that Dodge Caravan. It also doesn't help that everywhere she goes, she runs into somebody that she knew 15 years ago. So (laughs) All the time. All the time. Without fail. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for stopping by, Donna. So before we let Matt tell everybody all about the topic of the podcast, I do have to mention that the topic of the podcast and the show as a whole is brought to you by our sponsor, Nerdiest Brands. And if you don't know, Nerdiest Brands is a fantastic website that features products from vendors and designers from around the world, no matter the nerdy fandom. So if you'd like some rad nerdy gear, head on over to nerdiestbrands.com. That's nerdiest, N-E-R-D-I-O-U-S, brands.com. Back over to you, Matt. (laughs) Oh, thanks, Steve. (laughs) Um, All right, well, we're going to jump into our topic of the pod, which is the most influential games for us as gamers personally with we have some honorable mentions thrown in i think you can interpret this question in a few different ways yes so it'll be interesting to hear how each of us has interpreted it what games really defined our you know growth into gamers and uh you know just a little bit more about those games too and why they were so influential so, who wants to kick it off? I can go first. Okay, I feel like you don't usually. Oh, well, it's because I, so I do you're a lot going of, first now. I do a lot of pre, you know, early show talking. Oh, yeah, so you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. sometimes I like to sit back. But like I said, this was very hard to narrow this list down. As it stands right now, I still have a list of seven, and I'm just gonna kind of pick Ooh. and choose as we go through this. So I'm yeah. gonna start off with my honorable mention, and I need to say it as an honorable mention just because. I've talked about it ad nauseum, so I don't want to talk about it too much here. And because me and Kate are still planning on doing a little podcast series about this franchise. Mm. So I think you all know it's Metal Gear Solid because that is the most influential game series for me. But never heard of it. No, never. <laughs> have, you, have you ever listened to the Plus One Player formerly over gaming podcast? <laughs> so that really kind of shaped a lot of what I looked for in games after I played that first one. Uh, but that's why I don't want to spend too much time because I've talked about that game a bit. However, I do want to go back to another kind of early game and that was the resident evil games. So I like, playing those on my PlayStation one. And I'd mentioned this a little bit briefly back when uh, we were talking a little bit about playing like the resident evil two demo and things like that. And so playing those games on the PlayStation 1 was a lot of good memories there just because, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, my video game system was set up in the basement, so that way we could, you know, play it without bugging my parents when they were watching TV (laughs) in the living room. And so naturally, basements are creepy. They're always, like, dimly lit. They make weird noises. So playing Resident Evil down there, terrifying and added Mm, to the feel. But a lot of it, too, was, you know... Not only was I playing the games, but uh, I'd spent a lot of time watching my brother play the games because when those games came out, I was like, you know, seven or eight. So he was seven years older than me. So he was naturally better at video games than I was because he could understand a lot better with like the the puzzles that that game kind of brought into play. 
And he was also good about not getting eaten by zombies, which sometimes I struggled with as a young lad. And so I still struggle with it with the the remakes. Those those guys got me sometimes. And so I had a lot of fond memories of, you know, playing those games and kind of getting scared and figuring out the puzzles and, you know, not only just like playing by myself and watching him play, but kind of that bonding moment where we were able to... Because we didn't have a lot of similar interests growing up. We were kind of very different people. But mm-hmm. video games are something we were always had a, a common ground on. So it was very cool to bond over that. So Resident Evil kind of shaped a, a lot of my love for like the horror genre as a whole. So I love mm. horror movies. I love any horror game I can get my hands on. Like I've talked about how much I loved Until Dawn. And so playing that at a very early age gave me a lot of fond memories. But also got, kind of gave me a lot of what I look for in those kind of horror games like i look to see if they pull elements from the resident evil games because i want to see if going back to you know last week's podcast if they pull that for inspiration you know tying it all full circle so that is my first one so who would like to go next i want to jump in nice jump in boom i'm gonna start off with i've and i've mentioned this game as well so some of the other ones I haven't talked as much about, um, but this one just has to be on the list because it's my earliest gaming memory, which is The Lion King, Sega Genesis, 1994. Thank like, you. I just remember the music in the first level. I remember the grubs. I remember jumping from platform to platform. I remember my sister playing it. It It is just my first gaming memory, yeah. and it'll always, no matter what, just be on that list yep it's also fucking difficult like there's no way as like a young kid i was beating that damn level with the giraffes and you're swinging through the trees and you have to memorize there's this section where the only way to get to the next uh screen is you have to jump into the uh, a monkey in a tree who Mm -hmm. then throws you to another monkey and there's a set pattern of how you have to do it and if you don't do that pattern it throws you back down to the ground. And like, I don't know how much memory capacity I had back then, but there's no way I ever got past it. (laughs) That was so hard. (laughs) It was so hard. And so I do remember my sister beating it though. So yeah, that's just, yeah. Shout out Karen. That was, that was her peak in gaming. (laughs) Lion King. She can always hold it over your head though. She could be like, hey. She could probably like destroy it like Dark Souls or something. Just like really (laughs) hard. I bet she could just beat. Yeah. So that's just, it just has to be on my list. I have to say it. Also like pretty good game to get into gaming with. Like great music. You already know the story. So you can just like play and platform. Um, and it was very colorful too. Lots of colors in that game. Good for a kid. <laughs> All right, Matthew, throwing it back, throwing it to you. I guess I'll start with. This is a fairly early one, but uh, it's also it's it's interesting because it's a game I've never actually owned. Yeah. But it's a mm-hmm. game that I feel like has had a massive like because even all these years later. Like, I'm still going back to this game. Like, I'm still somehow, like, getting involved in this game. And it's Super Smash Brothers. Uh. This is, this is like, one of my earliest memories of, like, sitting down with, like, my cousins or my friends. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's four of us. We have an N64. All four of us have controllers. And we just beat the shit out of each other. Ah! And this yeah. is... Like, this is the earliest, like, memory of, like, a four-player split. Not split screen, because it's, you know. Right, one screen. It's all it's one screen. But it's a four-player, like, competitive multiplayer sort of 
party game mm-hmm. like that that yeah. I have, and that like, and it's like year. I've never actually owned it, but I feel like I've. It's always been a part of my life because it's like I never had the original, but I had a ton of cousins and friends who played it, and that's all we played. Like, we always played that. We'd always end up playing it, and then even with the next one, with it was Melee was the next one. It was the same thing. Mm-hmm. Always knew someone who had it. It was like every iteration of Smash that came out. It would be like I, I even though I never owned, I never even owned a Nintendo game system, but like wow. I always knew. Yeah, no, <laughs> uh, but I always knew someone who did have it and who mm-hmm. they were one hundred percent getting smashed, and I was gonna be over there and we were gonna play it. Mm. They were one hundred percent getting yeah. smashed. Yeah. <laughs> They're <laughs> no getting smashed. Smashed. <laughs> it, it's weird because like I have to put it on there because if it, for a game that like I've never actually owned or had it's had such like like it's easily in like my in terms of a gaming memories like Mm. that's easily at the top of the list like it's something that i've like even with the most recent one Mm -hmm. like i i i took me a while like i only played it recently my cousin connor matt knows he brought Mm -hmm. his uh switch over for one of our Mm -hmm. like family get together and that was the first time he played it so that might be like the one that's like a little less so just because like yeah with the other ones, like, uh, like, because uh, he's pretty much the only person that I know that has a Switch that's been around recently. I mean, I could go to Matt's house. I know you have a Switch, but that's a bit of a haul. I don't want to go all the way out there to play Smash. Uh, literally, the train station is like two blocks away. Oh, I gotta buy a ticket, <laughs> and it's like, Smash is such a good one, and it was. Uh, it was one of the ones that was on my list, but I, I took it off because it was my sister had a GameCube and she played that. Yeah. I, I was like adjacent to it, but I never like fully got into it until the um, the Wii version. So Yeah, see, because I can relate mm. to that very much because I didn't have I basically went from, you know, the NES to not having Nintendo and then I got, you know, Game Boy Pocket, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance. And then I hadn't had a Nintendo system since Game Boy Advance until I got the Switch. So I, I was the same boat. Like, the only real um, interaction I had with Smash Brothers was, like, when I went over friends' houses and played it. And now I actually own Smash Brothers. This is the first one I've ever owned. And it's a blast. But it, I agree. Like, you can't – everybody knows what Smash Brothers is. It's It's got yeah, such yeah. A, a, it's, an influence over the whole gaming industry. It, yeah, it's, like, inescapable. Yeah. It's like you have to have played Smash. It's so like yeah, that's a really just, good it's, one. It's it's yeah, mm-hmm. that is a good one. All right, so my next one. Now this one I have talked about in the past, and it is the reason it's on here is because this heavily influenced how I basically saw multiplayer games, and this is like mm-hmm. online multiplayer. And so of course I'm talking about SOCOM Three because I spent hmm. when this game had come out I remember me and a few friends had it and this was like my first experience with an online competitive shooter because growing up I never really had like a great PC like we just had you know PCs to do normal everyday things so I wasn't really playing you know like Counter-Strike or anything like that so I didn't really have much exposure to a lot of those online shooters and PlayStation 2 when they had just started doing like the online play this was kind of still new I, I know they had done it with SOCOM 1 and 2 as well, uh, but SOCOM 3 was the one that I spent a lot of time with because it kind of came out at a, a good point where I was getting a little bit older and my interest in games were like shifting and the online multiplayer aspect of it kind of blew my mind at the time because it was so cool. I loved the push-to-talk headset. like I thought that was awesome. I loved the no-respawn. I loved how everything you did felt 
like it meant something or there was always a tension in every round. And then you built up these strategies. So you'd figure out like the ins and outs of the maps. You'd figure out the good points to hide and like figure out exactly how to lure somebody into basically your trap. So Hmm. there was a lot of different ways to kind of go about playing SOCOM. Of course, like we know it now because we see it in shooters all over the place. You have the different, you know, gun classes and different character models and things like that. So you have, you know, assault medic, yada yada so you didn't really have that in socom 3 but you had different gun options you had the choice to how you wanted to play your character you had different options of small maps large maps you could do respawn maps you could do games where there were no grenades it was just you know hand handguns only or things like that or shotguns only so that customization and that variety and of course being able to clan up with a friend and have those like because we had like a smaller one i think it was like four of us but we'd have like four on four clan battles and it was so tense it was so much fun then you know you'd you'd be strategizing over and then you try to figure out like one of us would buy a keyboard so that way if we died we could still communicate with each other because if you died you couldn't communicate over voice chat so it was so much fun i spent so many hours playing that and that really shaped like what i looked for in kind of an online multiplayer game moving forward yeah i never played those they were a lot of fun they're i feel like i would have had a lot of (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I would have had a lot of fun playing them. Yeah, it was That's a bummer. They never really captured the magic. SOCOM Confrontation, they, it was like their online-only game for PS3, uh-huh. and it was like, meh. And then uh, SOCOM 4, just it was just not good. It was a real shame. <laughs> just a real uh-huh. shame. <laughs> never, never easy watching a, a beloved series kind of yeah away. And because Zip, zipper the studio who made them they're out of business now too so it's just like i think that oh. i think sony will do another socom game i feel like it's a recognizable sort of brand yeah we bring it and back. i think they could do mm. some cool shit with it nowadays like i really feel like if they wanted to make you know if they wanted to make their own i guess you could say like not necessarily tarkov but sandstorm insurgency like a top of the line version of that where, you yeah. know, it's a little bit more of a realistic shooter and things like that. Because that's what SOCOM was, I guess, kind of going for at the time. Hmm. But, I mean, you, you take what you can with yeah. PS2 graphics. <laughs> <laughs> my next one, which I think is on Matt's list. This is my guess one. Okay. And it's either this or it's sequel. Halo Combat Evolved. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I remember going to Best Buy. And this is a shape my entire future moment. Oh, wow. Yes. I remember going into the Best Buy off Sunrise Highway in between Sayville and Patchogue. <laughs> Important detail. Important detail. And walking to the video game section, I was with my dad and my sister, and we were going to buy our game system. And Xbox had just come out, and I guess GameCube was also out at the same time. Is that correct? They launched in North America November 18th. So they came out pretty much concurrent with oh, each other. So, they did, so I was right. Yeah. Fuck. My memory. <laughs> so, yeah. So we were choosing the next game system or the game system that we would purchase because we had a PlayStation. We had a Sega Genesis. And then this is a defining moment because so this was what I was going to get for Christmas. Yeah. And we were in Best Buy and my sister really wanted a GameCube. And she kept trying to convince me to pick GameCube. But Best Buy had set up one of those, like, test, like, play the demo, test oh, the game. Man. And it was the Xbox, and it was Bring Halo it Combat Evolved. Oh, jeez. And I don't think I'd even known what Halo was or anything, because, I mean, all of this just came out, right? 
because it had to have been in November that we'd went if it was a Christmas present. And um, I play. I was playing the first, very first level where you get on the Halo and you're in that, you get off the Pelican that has like crash landed. And I was just like, oh my God, these graphics. And like, it was just unlike anything I'd played previously. And so I was like, Dad, I want the Xbox. My sister was so upset that we weren't <laughs> going to get a game because it was my present. Whatever present, because we usually do like one big present and then you get like little stuff. So whatever big present she had picked had overruled being able to buy her a GameCube. So, um, so we got an Xbox and we got Halo Combat Evolved. I feel like that has defined my experience. Yeah, you're a, you're an Xbox for boy. Decades since then, but Halo as well, the game, most influential game, has also impacted me for decades because, you know, just from capturing me in that one moment in the in the store, to then playing co-op on you know couch co-op playing oh, yeah. multiplayer halo 2 being unreal like a fantastic game just set me up for years for playing the halo franchise and like that being a defining game for me yeah and friends to play together and just like you were saying matt with the i mean talk about like such an exciting moment when you're four people in a warthog <laughs> or three or however yeah. many it was at you that point three three in a warthog yeah one person on the gunner, then you like pick up the capture the flag person in the side, yeah, uh, in the passenger, and, you and you're like, the flag hanging yeah, out you're the, just like the passenger rumbling window. down Blood Gulch. <laughs> oh yeah. my god! So anyway, that's my second one. Well, I guess like since we're already talking about Halo, <laughs> mm-hmm. that was also one of mine. Yeah, uh, yeah, Halo, Halo Combat Evolved specifically. That because I'd played shooters beforehand. And I guess this is a time to throw in one of my honorable mentions. One of my honorable mentions would be Goldeneye mm. for the N64. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that was the first shooter I played mm. or played with any, like, consistency. Because, like, I may have had a cousin who had, like, Quake on their computer and I played it for, like, 10 minutes. But, like, I don't really yeah, count yeah. that. Right. Yeah. But, like, Goldeneye was, like, that one game that, like, mostly in multiplayer. Never. I don't think I ever played, like, the. I know there's, like, the campaign but i never played that but mostly in in multiplayer of just like having a split screen like turning on the cheat codes having like dk mode and paintball mode and just having like an absurd ridiculous time everyone plays odd job or one of the characters was shorter than the other so he was harder to hit because you had to aim manually Uh. (laughs) because i had a clunky n64 controller so you were just kind of like spraying and hoping like the auto lock would hit someone (laughs) it's just like it's one of those games where you're like, everyone has very fond memories of GoldenEye. It was like the first shooter to come out on a console, like one of the first shooters to come out on a console. But it's like going back, you're like, how the hell did we play this game? Yeah, it's very yeah. rough. It's like playing with like uh, a, a like remo- a TV remote control. Like, it's so <laughs> bizarre. It's like, But like Halo was the first shooter that I remember being like, wow like this is like Mm -hmm. this feels good this looks amazing Mm -hmm. it's like and at first it grabbed me in both like the single player matt was talking about like i remember like that level like even from the first level like you start on the pillar of water Mm -hmm. like oh we gotta wake him up (laughs) up." you get get this feeling of being this 
like unbelievable badass from like the get go. You're like this. Except when it's like, look at the lights and test your yeah your (laughs) view. Yeah, it's like all right, look up. Okay, looks good. (laughs) 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 He knows how to look. I guess he's good to fight. But yeah. Oh, and then fucking guilty spark three four three. Yeah. Where you first meet the flood, like yes. Yeah, it was the first like single player game I remember playing. Just being like, "Wow, I'm like really invested in this. Like, this is awesome. Like, okay, yeah, you start out, you're on this ship, you crash land on this giant ring. Like, what is this? This is weird. It's mysterious. And it's like, mm-hmm. and the music, also everything with that mm-hmm. help helping out. Because like, it's all these sort Music's of factors so like really coming together and being like, wow, this is like a video game. <laughs> it's just like this is a video like, game. This is what this a game you're made of. Feel. Yeah. Yeah, but that was like one of the first games that really just like blew me away. Like I could not take my eyes off, and and then like the multiplayer too, like playing tons of that, like Blood Gulch, screwing around on Blood Gulch, like oh my god, or uh, Hang 'Em High. (laughs) Which one was Hang 'Em High? Like that was, I think it was the one with all the platforms, and like you, there's a lot of like long, like it was just all pistols and snipers. Was like that map. I'm pretty sure. Because, like, there's a lot of, like, you went on a platform and you just, like, peek around and shoot a guy across the map. Oh, uh, like, yeah. Beaver... yeah. Yeah, yeah, What's yeah. the other one? Beaver Creek. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Beaver Creek wasn't in one, though, was it? I don't think so. No, they had... Well, they can't... No, two had a, a spiritual successor to it. Uh, but I don't... It may have been called Beaver Creek in in the second one. I yeah, have to it look was. it up. Cause it was it may... called... It was Battle Creek in Bat- Combat okay. Evolved. Okay, yeah, Battle Creek, and then Beaver Creek was in Halo Two. <laughs> that one I always that I don't know why I had like a soft spot for for that map because it was like very tiny and you had the two little forts and then like you cross like mm-hmm. the creek in the middle and someone would just be standing on top of one of those rocks with a rocket launcher and would just kill mm-hmm. you. <laughs> and each time yep. you tried to, it was That's just exactly death, what would happen. It was a death zone <laughs> crossing that creek. I feel like those games and SOCOM. For me, it's like if we pick those games up now, haven't played them in like a decade, I feel like we'd still remember the maps. Oh, 100%. oh, for sure. <laughs> like, there's yeah. ones I can't quite remember. I'm a little hazy on, but I feel like if I saw it, I'd be like, "Oh, Sidewinder, yeah, yeah. I remember this." Yeah, this, <laughs> this is the snow one where you get in the tank and you just—it's gigantic. Oh, shout out to snow maps, by the way. Snow maps are always fun. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my number two, and my honorable mention as well for nice. Goldeneye. Thank you, mm, nice. Rare, makers of Sea of Thieves. Hmm. So, all right, to, Steven. Oh, yes, me. <laughs> on to my third one. <laughs> so, I uh, this was tough because like, I'm at the point now where I have two left. I got to pick out of this list. Yeah. But I, I am going to have to go with Grand Theft Auto on this. And mm. I'm talking specifically about Grand Theft Auto 3 on the PS2. Hmm. Because that game, when that first came out, I, I don't know if you guys played Grand Theft Auto 1 and 2. Have you played those games? I played one of the top down. Da- what was the top Those, down? Yeah, one? they're the top down two D one. Yeah, I played one of them on my dad's work laptop. I actually have the original <laughs> Grand Theft Auto. I might stream that sometime just for shits and giggles because it's outrageous. Be but yeah. it was a completely different game because I played both of those games. I loved the first two a lot because they were just like crazy. You could do whatever you want, and of course, back then mm-hmm. you just like use cheat codes. I remember one: if you named your character in Grand Theft Auto One the shit then what would happen is you would unlock like all the weapons and all the uh, locations so you could go to the different maps. So that oh was kind of cool. 
shout out cheat codes episode. See, I'm really bringing full circle this episode. This, this is a good yeah. one. Yeah, this is a good shout one. Shout out cheat codes episode. Yeah, as we were because I talk about the cheat codes, you know. Yeah, I think I brought up Goldeneye in the cheat codes episode. Oh, I think so. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, Grand Theft Auto Three just blew my mind because this was yeah. 3D open world. You could at the time mm-hmm. it was pretty amazing what you could do in the open world. I know now with Grand Theft Auto Five, you look back and you're like, all right, well, Grand Theft Auto Three is like a shell, but that was the foundation because what we're able to do now in Five, where it's pretty much an open world, you can do whatever you want. And even with like Red Dead Redemption 2, how open world that is, this all started back with Grand Theft Auto 3. And so that really was my first experience mm. with those open world style games. And of course, it wasn't like an RPG by any means. I mean, I understand mm-hmm. that RPGs existed and there were more in-depth open worlds that you could explore. But for me, this was incredible. And because, you know, as like a preteen or how, however old I was when that game came out, it was pretty, you know, it was like, I want to say like around 10 or 11 and so playing that game, you felt like you were doing something like you shouldn't be doing. You're like, oh, this game is cool, man. Look, we got cool hands. So you go to school and you're talking I'm about so playing cool. Grand Theft Auto 3. Like, yeah, man, I was playing Grand Theft Auto 3. I shot those mafia guys. It was great. And it just like it kind of was like the perfect storm for my, my gaming experience at the time because there was so much to do. And again, you could go crazy with cheat codes in that game if you just wanted to go nuts. You're just like, all right, I just want to see if I can outlast a five-star bounty. There was one particular area in Grand Theft Auto 3. There was this perfect little, like, hotel thing that you could go into. and You could get onto the roof or the second floor. And it was the perfect area to just do so much damage with a five-star bounty and never get caught. Because for whatever Mm. reason, the cops could just never get up to you. So you would just be causing all types of chaos (laughs) and nothing could be done about it. And then there was the, the Dodo Bird cheat. So you could make your tank a flying tank. Because there's a bridge. I don't remember that one. Yeah, if you turn your, uh, if you turn the tank's gun behind you with the dodo bird sheet uh-huh. enabled, and you start firing and driving, if you hit a jump, the tank will just fly. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. That's so stupid. But that's what I'm saying. Like you could do so much right, crazy right, shit right. in that game, and like it, yeah. it never got old. And then it mm. led to you know Vice City, San Andreas, four or five. And eventually six will be will blow my socks off again. And so that was like really just an amazing game to play at that particular time in gaming. And it really, I've never not played another Grand Theft Auto game after that. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that definitely gets an honorable mention for me. Yeah, yeah Grand Theft Auto is a yeah. really good one. Because that, that was one of those games where I'm like, that was my first exposure to like an open world sort of sandbox where it's like, all right, go mm. steal a car. Steal yeah. a car if you want. Go drive around. Right, right. For you sure. Know, yeah. Just go do cause as much mayhem and chaos as you want. Like don't even need to play the game. Yeah. Just do that. That was great. All right. Since we mentioned shooters, I'm gonna mention two of my honor uh well, one of my honorable mentions, which was Unreal Tournament, Game of the Year edition. Ooh. Came out in ninety nine. Mm. Played that game with my dad and one of his friends at work. <laughs> and <laughs> Just had a fucking ball. Yeah. It's such a good game, such a good shooter. Capture flag, the I think it's called Facing Worlds, probably one of the best capture flag maps uh, alongside Blood Gulch ever ever made. I'm really looking forward to Epic launching Unreal Tournament again. I can feel it. There's like an alpha or beta on, I think it's like a free alpha on their game launcher, but it's Mm -hmm. like very minimal and no one plays it. And there's like a tutorial. They just need to like pause, pause Fortnite for like 10 seconds (laughs) <laughs> just like put all your developers for those 10 seconds on Unreal Tournament and then go back to Fortnite. Yeah. 
I would be like really excited to see what they could do with uh, mm. Unreal Tournament these days. But I did play it and and really loved it. And that was like another early game um, that that I was playing. But moving on to number three, great game. Had so much fun playing it. Couldn't wait till it, the expansion came out for it. Age of Mythology. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> What a good fucking game, first of all. <laughs> we have an almost crossover again. Oh, oh really? Wow. Yeah. I, feel, I feel like Age of Mythology came out. It was just like a whirlwind of things that that made it an influential game for me. It came out when I was in middle school, right? Probably. Were we in middle school then? I like, It definitely wasn't later. Yeah. Okay. Well, it came out sometime around then. And in middle school in New York, you always do like mythology in sixth grade. So like... We had done mythology. I was like really invested in Greek myths and all that stuff. And um, I was I was really big into RTSs. So Warcraft 3, Reign of Chaos, and Age of Empires. But Age of Mythology captured like the creative, cool stuff that I was interested in school. And then also the RTS side of things. And it was just a fun game to play. I remember one of my birthdays, I think it was eighth grade, where we... Do you remember this, Matt? We, uh, everyone brought their, like, laptop over to my house. I didn't have a laptop in eighth grade. Well, well, we also (laughs) had, we had, like, two desktops or something. Everyone had a computer, and we were, we played Age of Mythology for, like, hours, and then (laughs) it was turned into, like, it was a sleepover and play Age of Mythology party, and it was great. I mean, you could be the Greeks, you could be the Norse, you could be the Atlanteans with the expansion. You could be the Egyptians. You had all these myth- mythological creatures you could choose from. You had all the gods you could uh, pick as you leveled your, you know, went into the next age. It was fast-paced. Yeah. It's just a great game. <laughs> I remember we would we would always try to go for, like, big defensive strategies on that map with the, with the mountain diagonally across the middle. Remember we would build, I, like... I sh- can't quite remember. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I I, I, these I, memories were more I important to me it. than you. What? I don't remember this one time we played it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we would build all of these walls in like the one passageway between our side of the map and the enemy's side of the map, and just create like a defensive fortress in the middle. And that's what I used to love about RTS games in general is that it felt more like I was building my city and then going off and fighting too. Hmm. And I feel like. RTSs these days have gone so like esportsy that it's all about speed and like how fast you can click and how fast you can micromanage. I just want an RTS where I can like build my city, go and attack people, continue building my city. And I guess you sort of have some of those, but I feel like they're maybe a little bit too heavy on the city builder side. Yeah. So I'm just waiting, so I'm waiting for the perfect game. Yeah. So anyway, that's mine. Age of Mythology. <laughs> you can buy it on Steam and play it oh, even today. There you go. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good lead into to mine, which is Age of Empires. <laughs> <laughs> we did not, for the record, we did not coordinate these beforehand. No, yeah, no, we that would all. that would imply that we do prep work beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I picked Age of Empires, and uh, a lot of the reasoning is more or less the same. 
as much. This is like that game that got me into RTSs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're right, like about it coming out around that kind of time where like I was starting to get interested in history. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. you had like the historical sort of campaigns. You could do like the Joan of Arc one. And then you could, there's like the Genghis Khan one, the Barbarossa one, like all those awesome campaigns that were like, mm-hmm. oh, well, it's this guy. I get to like play, I get to fight Attila the Hun. It's yeah. all stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah, it was like my first RTS experience. It was also my first PC game sort of experience because I didn't really have any games on my computer. Like, yeah, like you know, that's a like, good point. Yeah, I, this hmm. is like the first game I actually remember like playing on my computer for any degree of time. That wasn't like a flash game or like pinball, like something yeah, that was like pinball. something that was like built into the computer already. Right. Oh my god, yeah. that should have been uh, one of the influential games. That fucking arcade pinball yeah, game. That pinball game. Game. That's an honorable oh, mention. Yeah, we'll throw yeah. that in. Yeah. Yeah. Shout yeah, out. Honorable mention to pin whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> Shout out to that Minesweeper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Minesweeper kept my dad occupied for fucking hours. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> but um, this it's funny because um, my local the Sable Library had a copy of Age of Empires 2. Really? Yes, yes, had a copy. And I didn't know that. I swear to God, 90% of, like, the year, that copy was in my possession. <laughs> I would, like, go take it out for a week and then, like, return it. Just renew come it. Back, yeah. Come back, like, a day or two later and just get it back. <laughs> it's just, just you play bastard. it. So I, I more or less owned the game yeah. <laughs> because so I had funny. it so, for so, so much. And like, oh my god! Like every time I had to give it back, I'd be like, "Shit, I can't play it now." <laughs> what bastard's gonna take this out in the twenty-four hours? But yeah, this is also this is another one of those. Ge- yeah, that's that was the worst when you go back and it wasn't there. I'm like, what piece of shit <laughs> Who took my took game? It? This is mine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is also like going back to the cheat codes episode. We're talking about. I talked about the cheat codes with this game. There's some pretty mm-hmm. insane she goes like the machine gun yeah. car yeah you could summon that in like a campaign and just drive around the map and like get to like the end like battle where there's like a castle and like uh, you know saladin's <laughs> held up in the castle and you, and you just drive Saladin. up with an army of cars and just <laughs> mow all like the cavalry down and shoot down the walls and blow up the castle welcome okay. to 1998 yeah. saladin <laughs> <laughs> it is so ridiculous but in the end, it's just like, yeah, this is the game that got me into like RTSs because after this, I got games like Command and Conquer Red Alert, like Red Alert 2, the G- Command, and Con- Command and Conquer Generals, Dawn of War, all these other RTS God, games. Command and Conquer, I forgot about like, that. All of these games yeah. that like I like that I ended up playing and having a ton of fun with and inspiring yeah. inspiring me in their own ways, all came from this. All came from these yeah. this initial experience playing Age of Empires, play, making. A monastery and having priests convert people's buildings, wallowing. It's just, there's just oh, so many classic. And there's wallow, another tie-in. <laughs> yeah, another tie-in. <laughs> yeah. So many classic moments. So many memories from that game. So many memories. And I want to play it right now. You can also buy it on Steam. That's what he's going to do. He's <laughs> Much gonna, like after Age of we Mythology. hang up today, he's going to go back to playing it. You, you're both going to do he's that. He's actually yeah. playing it right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm playing the Franks. Because they have the throwing X-Men. <laughs> this guy's that heft giant axe. <laughs> <like this. laughs> 
Right. So this is it. This is the last round. This so is it. I need to throw out uh, my last honorable mention. And uh, okay. it's mostly because this is a newer game. So I, um, mm. the, the reason why I think it's very influential, it's not just for me, but I think it's influential for the game industry as a whole. And that's Hellblade Son of a Sacrifice because nice. that mm. game showed me what an indie studio can really do. And because hmm. with with indies, you automatically think a lot of those like art, you know the artistic style where it's two D. You know, you think of a lot of platformers. You think of a lot of like bullet hells and things like that. Very rarely do you think of a triple A esque story driven game with narrative hmm. and visuals and audio to put it on the par with all the other game of the year nominations back in two thousand seventeen. That game, we know, it takes a really good look at people dealing with mental health issues. And you have Sunwa, who's the main character, and she's dealing with, you know, voices in her head. And they actually, you know, kind of tell you, you should play the game with a good set of gaming headphones. And I highly recommend mm-hmm. it. The audio design is one of the best I've ever seen in games. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see a lot more of these narrative-driven games kind of take elements from Hellblade. So that game definitely gets an honorable mention for me. But my last influential game is The Last of Us, and the main reason being, I think it's one of the only games that I can look back that I've played at that I can actually say is a perfect game. And the reason I say that is because mm. I think it it combines amazing action scenes, it combines where, where you're just sitting back and watching the story unfold, then it combines amazing gameplay where there's attention throughout, there's survival elements, there's the crafting elements, you have to make sure that you're always well-equipped and you never feel like you're, well-equ- you're mm-hmm. well-equipped, which is just an amazing tension to have. The clickers were an incredible uh, antagonist yeah. where those they were terrifying. And again, that's another game where if you play it with headphones, oh boy, does that do something to you where it's just like you hear the little <laughs> click. That Get fucked. So they were terrifying. Joel and Ellie, two of my favorite characters in games for very different reasons. The first scene of that game just rips your heart out. And you're just like, all right, this is what we're in for. And then, so spoilers for The Last of Us. As you get on, you, you realize the little twist at the end where you then start playing as Ellie. And it was almost like a contradiction of the kind of bait and switch that Kojima did with Metal Gear Solid 2 where everyone wanted to play as Solid Snake and then all, all of a sudden we have to play as Raiden. And we're like, who the fuck is Raiden? Where is Solid <laughs> Snake? But this, halfway through the game, you've been learning so much about Ellie. And when that turn happens and you have to play as her, you've spent so much time you know, ranking up Joel and expanding Joel's mm. capacity for ammo and weapons and all these things. And you have all these elements crafted. And then you start as Ellie and you're pretty much back at zero. And Oof. it's just this gut wrenching feeling. And you start to then grow with Ellie. It's amazing. It's, it's, I, I love how they did it. The ending of the game is one of the most fantastic endings that has stuck with me at this point, six years after the fact, I've played through it multiple times. I bought it again when it was remastered on PS4. That game was just absolutely perfect. Can't wait for the second one. And it just, it, I don't know, it just had such a profound, lasting impression on me that I have to list it as my most influential. Mm-hmm. Boom. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely a good example of, like, what games could be. Oh, yeah. And, like, are be- mm-hmm. kind of are becoming, too, from like especially from, like, a narrative standpoint. Cause that's a game like you could just watch. Oh yeah, it's like, so like, good. Like, just like just just get invested in, like in the characters and the story. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and definitely like that's becoming more and more true with a lot of games. 
you know, like with, like we just saw like, like with last year with God of War too. Like that's a game you could just watch just for like the story and the characters alone. Mm. Games are sort of maturing, you could say. Oh, Mat- maturing. Like a fine shot like today. Well, my last most influential game. The anticipation builds. Yes. Palpable. Think of a realm, a world <laughs> divided by war. Two factions. Oh, is it Skyrim? Ready to kill each I, other. I know, I know what it is. <laughs> I know you're trying to play the song. Night elves, orcs, humans, Torin. Is it World, trolls. World of Warcraft? It's gotta be World of Warcraft. <laughs> Let's let him finish. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> the best MMO to ever grace this mortal realm. Jesus Christ. Of course it's World of Warcraft. <laughs> I just remember back to the Hot Takes episode when you were just like, World of Warcraft is the greatest game ever made. <laughs> well, I don't believe that, and I was drunk during yeah. that episode. But <laughs> I do think, for me, it's definitely one of the... It's absolutely one of the most influential, if not the most influential game. That's is why I saved it for last. Yeah. I, I feel like it and Halo, for me, are probably very close I mean, it totally opened me to the world of RPGs in general, the customization, the skill trees, like all of that was just interesting, plus a story on top of it that you could, you know, you could pick your character, you could pick your class, you could pick your race, you could do some basic customization. And then you were like, I mean, this is, you have to think, this is before all the expansions, so you still were just like a regular person, you know? I was just like out of Druid training school and like running around Teldrassil and and you know killing rats or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just like a totally different experience than the game is today, but like I think also being a teenager and playing a game where you start out as like just a little nobody with no direction. It was just all it was like the perfect time to play that game. Yeah. And it's just set me up for RPGs since then. I'm a huge RPG fan. Um, and it all just comes from that one game. Nice. It, that's one so I never got into that. just because, again, I never really had like a good gaming PC growing up. And mm-hmm. also, the I don't think my parents would have paid for that subscription. <laughs> yeah. yeah that my was dad played it too, which is why yeah. how I lucked out. Yeah, that was a big thing for me. It was like, okay, I could buy the game, but I'm not going to pay for you to play it after that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, 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 it's just like, okay, no. Not happening. But you can tell it's definitely influenced a lot of MMOs oh, sure. from there. It's influ- <laughs> it's like watershed <laughs> like influence. Yeah. Like like that's the moment everything changed. Oh yeah. It really yeah, that's so that is huge. All right, Matt, what's your Oh, and sorry, my last two honorable mentions on top of that. Mortal Kombat, the ninety two edition, played it in the basement with my sister on the oh, super old computer. Tons of fun. Definitely had definitely had memories of that and then wacky wheels 1994 <laughs> same computer same basement it it was like a ripoff of uh mario kart was mario kart out then or did, did mario out? kart rip well, mario off came wacky out on wheels Web- mario kart came out on the and on the nest so 
Did it come out on the yeah. NES or the SNES? Definitely guess. One of them, but I'm pretty I sure it came out before Wacky Wheels. I think it was before Wacky Wheels. I think it came out on because it's on the SNES Classic. Anyway, Wacky Wheels, fantastic little racing game. You could pick your, if you wanted to be a camel or a zebra, boom, Wacky Wheels. That's your game. And those are all of mine. All right, Matthew, the anticipation. This is my final game. And this is also a not fairly recent, but more recent than the previous games. Hmm. And it, uh, it would have a similar intro to Matt's, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. Oh. <laughs> but it would have a very recognizable theme, that's for sure. Elder Scrolls. Yes, <laughs> specifically Which one? Skyrim. Yeah. Skyrim. Oh wow. Yeah, specifically. Because this really not going with Oblivion. I never. I didn't really play Oblivion. Oh. Okay. Yeah. No. That's it. That's what. That's what I was gonna say. Because before Skyrim, I wasn't really, I didn't have much experience with a lot of open world sort of uh, RPG games. Same. Yeah, I really didn't play them that much. I was kind of intimidated by them. I played a little bit of Oblivion, and I was just like, oh, this is like I, interesting. And like I enjoyed like the first like getting started, but then after that, when it's like, okay, go do whatever, and I was just kind of like, ah, uh, I was like, I didn't really know. I was a little like overwhelmed, and I just kind of didn't really pick it up again. But I still like I the appeal was there. Like it was for sure. I was like, oh, there's like something really cool. Like I wish like I wasn't just so overwhelmed by it. So I probably just needed to mature as a gamer a little bit because it was still like when I picked up, I was a little like I was more used to like more simple like mm. shooters. I was more into shooters. Like played RTSs, but it was it, it was a totally different sort of me- mechanic there. And then Skyrim came out, and by that point, I was like, okay, like I I liked what a little like some of what oblivion was doing i'm gonna try this and mm. i became invested off the bat yeah immediately was like this is this is so cool like this like i was i didn't feel as overwhelmed once i realized like you don't have to do everything you don't have to be a master in crafting and a master in mm-hmm. alchemy and a master this mm-hmm. like the point it's a role-playing game you you make your character and i'm like my character is gonna be i'm gonna be a nord and i'm gonna be like a two-handed weapon berserker type character yeah so i'm gonna put all my stats into like heavy armor and two-handed weapons and uh, then like you know you learn a few other things so it's like oh you can exploit there's like a crafting like sort of exploit you can do where you just make iron taggers and you level up your crafting <laughs> that and, like, one and leather braces in le- yeah just like <laughs> you make insanely simple things and you just level up your crafting like instantly yep so now you can like make these master crafted like ebony swords by the mm-hmm. time you like get to that level. Oh, the ebony armor was so cool. Except oh, ebony yeah. armor. Fun thing I figured out. Uh, I played it on the Xbox 360 and I don't know if the, Oh my god, nice. I don't know if the issue was only Xbox like specific. Yeah, yeah. There was a bug where because you had a perk where like with some of the heavy armor where it's like if you wore a matching set of heavy, heavy armor, you got a bonus. Hmm. And there was a bug where if you wore a matching set of ebony armor, it didn't give you the bonus. So hmm. there was no reason for me to wear the heavy armor, which sucked. Oh, it sucks. Because it's the coolest look. It's the coolest looking armor. Some of the actually, the, some of the Daedric ones are pretty badass too. Yes. I, I made a full suit of Daedric armor, and I was like, "Ooh, this motherfucker." <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah, because like that was like the next sort of tier. So yeah. then I got the Daedric armor. I was like, okay, this is also cool. I feel like you should play Oblivion on and stream it. Maybe, maybe I will. Uh, that's the thing. I tried going back. I tried Oblivion's going Morrowind. Good. Yeah, I, Morrowind. Yeah. I feel like is just a tiny bit too dated for me. That's that's the thing. Like I yeah. was like, oh, I'll try. I tried. I got like Morrowind like super super cheap, and I went to play it, and I was like, this is 
very very old yeah you can you can feel it yeah because yeah. even then like back then I remember if i had like tried to play it i think it would have overwhelmed me too much because it's not saying like skyrim hold your hand because like oh, oh yeah. but morrowind it, it becomes, there's yeah, it nothing does, it, yeah it it like and as far as like introducing me to like the concept of open world rpgs like it definitely was a good sort of stepping stone. Yeah, because like so that because like I said, my problem was I always felt a little overwhelmed. I always felt like there's too much stuff going on, and it was like it intimidated me, and I just I didn't really want to get into it. And Skyrim, like definitely, they made it a little simpler as yeah. far as mm-hmm. like you know your objectives and like what you can do and everything. It was a little more streamlined. The like some people didn't like that, but obviously like for someone coming in like. Yeah, it's perfect. Just experiencing the first time. Yeah, it was perfect. They, I mean, Skyrim was just like the game. Like it was. Yeah, Skyrim I, was the game. I've played it for, so many times. I've played it on yeah. three different consoles, and like you said, it was that perfect entryway because I was the same way. I never really yeah. played those games, and I had a lot of friends talking about it. I remember like the first week I was playing it, I really wasn't getting into it because I. I didn't really understand like the best ways to like rank up and things like that. And then I had a buddy come over. He's like, Oh dude. He's like, this is what you got to do. He's like, you gotta craft iron daggers. Stealth Archer. Yeah. He's like, you gotta craft iron daggers. And then the con, there was a conjuration, uh, hack too, where if you just soul, if you just soul trap dead bodies, you rank up your conjuration. (laughs) And so I would just sit there for like an hour, just soul trapping, oh casting my soul God. trap, soul, soul trap, soul trap, and then your conjuration is like a hundred, and then that ranks you up a bunch too. So once you figured out like those little hacks, and you're like, all right, now I can start, you know, being who I wanted to be. I was always heavy armor, one handed with a war axe, uh, orc, <laughs> always an orc, and so I'd have one hand with the war axe, and I'd always so enchant funny. it with fire. And then I'd have my other hand to either do destruction, conjuration, or restoration spells. So I'd like rank up those ones. Mm. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty good yeah. loadout, uh, right? <laughs> Solid loadout. I, I also did a sneaky archer build, which is great. But you, I also like just having like certain traits. Like I like to just apply like certain traits to some of my characters. Like so, when I was a sneaky archer, I was a wood elf, and I was a kleptomaniac. <laughs> so I would any person's house I went into, I would steal everything <laughs> i steal anything of value i would steal it any gold i would lock pick all their safe boxes in chests and i would steal anything it didn't matter oh if they God. were friendly to me or not i would just steal it good way to level up my stealth and my lock picking so i was like in both of those things like early in the game super high <laughs> yeah and then it was one shotting dragons by like <laughs> the end of it well we've done it we've done it we've got through the most influential games we've done it so if anybody out there has any thoughts on any of the games we mentioned, or if you'd like to talk to us about some of the most influential games in your lives, give us a call at 347-509-5620. Let us know, and we'll play it on an episode of the podcast. All right. Let's move into Patch Notes. This is Patch Notes 2.9.19, where we update you on the latest news that broke since last we spoke. <laughs> We have a sponsor of Patch Notes, Evil Tim Industries. Are you evil? Are you Tim? Evil Tim Industries. Follow Tim on Twitch at twitch.tv slash evil Tim. All right. So which story should we start with? Yeah, so we got to, uh, let's go with 
The Verge. Let's talk a little bit about Apex. That's what we're talking about. So on The Verge, written by Andrew Webster, Apex Legends hits 10 million players in just three days, which is pretty impressive. Wow. Developer Respawn believed that it was putting a lot on line with surprise launch of Apex Legends, but it looks like the decision was the right one. And just three days later, uh, excuse me, just three days after the launch, the game has reached 10 million players. Fortnite, in comparison, took two weeks to hit the same milestone. We knew it would be risky to take the franchise in this direction, to go free-to-play, and do a surprise launch, Respawn CEO Vince Simpella wrote in a blog post, but we fell in love with Apex Legends and wanted, needed other people to play it too. In addition to the overall player count, the developer also says that Apex has already reached 1 million concurrent players. So, this is obviously all the rage. Apex Legends, you can't really look anywhere without hearing about it or seeing about it because Respawn launched it out of the blue. Did I not say on our last podcast that a company should do a launch out of nowhere? Didn't I say that? I think you might have. We, we, can somebody can somebody check the tapes? <laughs> Please. <laughs> Toot, Ooh, our archivist. Yeah, Toot is the archivist because he's currently going through a backlog of episodes. We really appreciate his hard work. I think you might Very have, though. And because they did it pretty smart, though, because they invited all these influencers to play it. And you know that's going to leak before the actual launch date so there was all this hype being built up i think it was like on super bowl sunday so Mm. they're taking they're they're catching some eyes on a very busy day for the nfl which is a smart move in the video game world is like hey any way you can get some some buzz you got to do it and so then they launched the next day on the fourth and squad based battle royale with you know a diverse group of characters which is impressive and then it's also each character has their own special abilities, so it actually implements, you know, an actual squad-based mentality to Battle Royale, which I don't think we mm-hmm. really have yet. Because, like, H1Z1, uh, when we were playing that Battle Royale, even, like, Blackout, you don't really need to have, like, a reason to be a different character. Like, you're all just the same character just trying to kill other people. Now, you, there's actually some strategy to it. It's leading to some really intense, you know, three-on-three squad battles, which is cool. It's fun to play as different characters and see which one you prefer. Because I know we talked about this, like, where we see gaming going in, like, 2019, and we talked a lot about Battle Royales and, like, what we thought with this, and I had mentioned mm-hmm. I want to see what someone can do differently. I want to see how they can improve upon this. And I got to say, everything I've played so far is i played a couple of rounds with it. It's so smooth. It's very polished. It doesn't feel like some free-to-play, like, early access mm. thing. It feels like a finished yeah. product. Yeah. And it's fun. It's just fun. It's very refreshing. You can use squad base where you can either do voice chat or they have a great ping system so you don't even I need voice chat system. you can just ping things and everyone can communicate that way so it's such yeah. a simple thing too like oh yeah just have a, a way to like say where things are on the map without like speaking yeah it just seems like a no-brainer it just it's yeah. so it's weird like that it almost that it hasn't been implemented before yeah right <laughs> it's just yeah so i literally was uh i was playing solo earlier all we used to communicate was the ping system and it worked perfectly fine yeah Yeah. we came in second place only using the ping system especially because it's like if you ping like an ammo crate it's like you shout out oh ammo crate over here yeah and then if you ping an enemy it's like oh enemy over yonder whatever over yonder but the the squad base element is like the best part of it it like gives you a Mm -hmm. reason to want to squad up with friends because you can all try different things like one of you is going to be the healer one of you is going to be like you know the person calling in Mm -hmm. airstrikes which is a kind of yeah. a crazy thing to have in battle royale because it's so you know last man standing focus and so now you're using like these perks and that can either go one or two ways it can go like the call of duty route where i think it was like modern warfare 3 where 
there was just constantly things in the sky. Like the as perch su- was yeah, it was it was uh. insane. It's like a cacophony of just madness yeah. just happening. Oh. <laughs> and so it seems like there's a good balance. Like I would say um, right now it definitely feels like the, the the enemies are a little bit bullet spongy. I think that the time to kill can probably use a little bit of a tweak. Uh, I agree yeah, with that. Yeah, but, they're very, very sturdy. Yeah. <laughs> but like overall, it's it's a really well done game. So it's kinda cool to see that this out of nowhere mm. free to play battle royale is actually getting it's getting a lot of press for the right reasons and it's actually giving some competition to a game like Fortnite. And then, because, I mean, we've seen what PUBG has done over the past year where it's not the same as they were in 2017, so. It's still a buggy mess. <laughs> yeah, and that's amazing. the thing. It's like, how is that right, so right, buggy? Right. But Respawn's just like, yeah, here you go. Here's a pretty polished yeah. like, piece of work. Yeah, here's a, here's a good product. When, when did a game ever, when was the last time a game came out on day one and was like, oh, there's no problems. Yeah, it's wild. Like, it just, it just, like, it literally just yeah. I've not. <laughs> I I experienced one game with lag out of twenty to thirty games I've played. Yeah, one game had lag. Jeez, Everything like... else has been perfectly fine. I've not experienced one bug. Yeah, it's it's no well graphical issues. Yeah, no bugs. Nothing. It's like what, like what's going on? Like what are people doing wrong? <laughs> it's just like <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I like it. I like it so far. I mean, I'm not a, like I said before, not a huge fan. Yeah. Battle Royales in general. I think this one represents a clear improvement in in the genre, and yeah. I think it's a good direction for it to to take for any subsequent iterations of this. Yeah. But like I said before, I think this is the year that the battle royale genre sort of like plateaus. Mm. I think like we're starting to see it. I think like this is like oh wow, there's a really big start to the year for the battle royale. We may see a few other things come out. Something's trying to ape on this, cash in on, you know, the success. And end of the year, we're going to be exhausted. We're going to be just done. I do have to mention, Royals. like, one thing with EA. EA is very interesting to me in the sense that they released this literally, like, two weeks before they release Anthem. And a month before they're releasing the Battlefield Five Battle Royale mode. I just... <laughs> They're competing with themselves. Yeah, it's I, <laughs> so. like I understand that uh, they're all different teams. They're all different entities because you know, yeah, Dice does. Yeah, it's Dice who does Battlefield. It's Respawn who's doing Apex, and then it's Bioware doing Anthem. So it's all different studios within EA. But the release is very interesting because they're all games that target similar audiences, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the whole thing with battlefield we saw the report that they didn't meet their sales expectations because they missed their sales mark by a million it just didn't meet their expectations because they delayed battle royale so not as many people were interested in battlefield 5 at the time because a lot of people were probably looking to play that was was such a weird decision to me and so now it's already delayed you're unhappy with the the recognition it's been getting and the sales it's been doing and now this comes out a month before which is easily going to take people away from playing the battlefield battle royale their whole focus was squad-based battle royale, which this is, because <laughs> they were going to take like the same elements. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because once that comes out, everyone's going to be like, "Oh, this doesn't have this feature that yeah. Apex has. Yep. Yeah. Oh, no. this the ping system in Apex is better." You know, it's going to be a. There's no way it can live up. Yeah, right. it's, it's yeah. going to be really interesting when that comes out because, like we've talked about, there's been very little fanfare at all regarding Battlefield Five. So we'll see if that can get some interest or if it's just going to be like kind of a swing and a miss and people are just going to still say i'm going to play apex i'm going to play Fortnite." you know i don't need to play that cool and then uh, what is our next piece of news some activision blizzard excitement 
Yes, I know you are fond of uh, these news stories, but this one's a tough one. Activision Blizzard employees yeah. brace for massive layoffs, and this is on Kotaku by Jason Schreier. Staff at the game publisher Activision Blizzard are preparing for big layoffs next week, waiting to see who will be one of the potentially hundreds of employees who could lose their jobs on Tuesday. There's been no official news from the publisher yet, but we first heard word of upcoming layoffs late last year. At the time, Activision and Blizzard staff told me they expected the axe to fall in February, and I started hearing more and more rumors earlier this week, with whispers suggesting that the layoffs would happen ahead of the publisher's quarterly earnings call, which is on Tuesday, February 12th. Employees across all of Activision's offices have been kept in the dark as they wait to see what will happen. Some say they're pretty sure they're safe. Others say they fear they will no longer have jobs next week. And so this had come to after we saw that I think one of their CEOs got like a $10 million bonus. And so this is at the same time that Activision Blizzard had basically told them to prepare for layoffs and try to cut your budgets as best you can. I'm going to turn this over to you, Matt, because I know you have some thoughts on Activision Blizzard as a whole. It's... I just... I don't understand what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) They get rid of Bungie or they sever ties with Bungie. Yeah. And, but this, I mean, this happens at every corporation ever. Oh, for the sure. Top, the top gets a huge bonus. The bottom gets cut. Yeah. So I feel like this is perhaps a larger uh, symptom of the economy currently and not really maybe unique to Activision Blizzard. There's like rumors that big banks are going to make a lot of cuts soon. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. So I feel like maybe it's sort of lockstep with all ju- just sort of like, hey, big big corporation business. Right. But uh, yeah, it's interesting to see a board that is consistently unhappy with like its developers' games, but only because it's comparing it to like other companies like Epic. And, you know, like everyone is just like, hey, but it's not Destiny 2 is not f- performing like Fortnite. It's like, well, it's like very few. First of all, like, like that. <laughs> Right, and also like not every person that plays Fortnite is a Destiny Two player. Like they're they're also different audiences. Right, there's different things in each game that draws people to them. Also, if if you want to go after like a middle school and high school audience, then you have to th- I think think creatively about it. Yep, Destiny Two, from my perspective, is not a game for a middle schooler. I just don't see that. Um, the raids are like really complex. Yeah. And, like it would take a real yeah. smart middle school student and his or her Got gang it. of like five other people to like figure some of those raids out. Like it's like not a, the same audit. You're not going after the same people. Right, right. Like a prodigy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, like a chess prodigy. Insanely complex. Exactly. There's just huge, just vastly different demographics that they're targeting. <laughs> right. So I don't, I don't know. It sucks that. Activision is going to lay off people, or that's the rumor, because I don't think that's going to make anything better. And the consistent story across big corporations of like rewarding the top and shitting on the basic employees is like so annoying <laughs> and completely unfair. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Blizzard will break free one day. Yeah, and that's because I feel like this was uh, more brought up. It just happened. Uh, like he just reported that a few hours ago, and because um, we've talked yeah. about these two working together and the problems that they've had over the past, you know, six months even. And so it, it is a it is a real shame to kind of see it going that way, just because I feel like Activision is just looking for different things, and I you know it seems weird that they're pairing up with publishers that don't produce the games 
like they expect them to be produced like every other Call of Duty game where there's one every single mm-hmm. year, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just it's just different games, and some games take more time. You can pump out, you know, a new Madden or a new FIFA or a new MLB or a new Call of Duty every year because you're always going to have a target audience for those types of games. That's why they always sell well. But you can't be pumping out narrative-driven games constantly because you're not going to focus enough on the actual narrative elements or the gameplay elements and something's going to suffer. Yeah. And then that's when sales suffer and that's when we have these issues here. So it's just, it's like, just like a downward spiral. Yeah. Spiral. And it's weird because like we've talked about, like they, it just doesn't seem like they mesh, you know, it's like at some point you hope that Blizzard is able to go on their own. And yeah, I don't, I don't it'll, think it'll never be the same. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think they're like fully merged with Activision. Yeah. It's it's, like, there's it's, no hope. I think people are just going to, going to, there'll be like a brain drain at some point and people yeah. will just either go off and start their own things or yeah. join other studios that's yeah yeah there will yeah. be another studio but those were the those were the big stories all right well that was patch notes steve let's close this puppy out so we do have a voicemail from our good friend rianne and after we play this oh nice i really just want to read the transcript so you people can hear how outrageous the google transcripts really are it's insane so here is our good friend rianne what's up plus one this is Rean bean or rianne i just obviously listened <laughs> to your romance podcast and while my good friend did point out that FemShep and Garrus is a great relationship, you guys are obviously missing out on FemShep and Liara. That is like a three, uh, okay, spoiler, spoiler alert from Mass Effect. Uh, that is like a three-game romance. Like, oh, hey, I found you in this, like, little well. And then you die, and then you come back, and then you do the Shadow Broker. She's like, oh, I'm badass now. And then at the end, you're going to die again. And she's like, oh, hey, like, I love you so much so emotional definitely the best video game romance of all time uh as for the worst i'm going to shout out to mass effect andromeda uh in which male writer is with cora and it's the creepiest unskippable sex scene of all video game history uh love what you guys are doing keep it up uh shout out to steve and remy uh yeah love what you guys are doing thanks so much bye that was a solid that was a voice. Good one. We've been getting mm-hmm. really solid mm-hmm. voicemails lately. Yes. That was a very thank yes. you, Rand. So, that was a good one. So I've never played the Mass Effect games, as I had mentioned, because that's one I really hope they remaster so I could just play a remastered trilogy and not have to play the jankiness of some of the older ones. Yeah. But I know from what Christine was mentioning as well is that there are a lot of romance options. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it is kind of cool to see a different perspective taken there. So mm-hmm, thank you mm-hmm. so much for giving us a call, Rian. So if any of you have any video game romances you want to talk about, or if you have any influential games that you want to mention that we didn't get to in the topic, give us a call at 347-509-5620. And like I mentioned, I want to read the transcript because it's outrageous. So this is how yes. Google translated this voicemail from Rianne. What's up, Plus One? This is Green Bean Orion. Just obviously listened to your romance podcasts in a while. A good friend did point out that Fem Shep and Gareth is a great relationship. You guys are obviously missing out on censorship and Liara. That is like a three. Okay, spoiler, spoiler for Mass Effect. And there's like a free game romance. Like, oh, hey, I found you in Just Like Little Well. And then you die. And then you can back. Then you do the Shadow Broker, which is going better snow. And then at the end, you're going to die again. And she's like, oh, hey, look, I love you so much. So Marshall, (laughs) definitely the best video game romance of Alton after the worst. I'm going to shout out the to Mass Effect Andromeda in which male writers with Korra and it's the creepiest unskippable sex scene of all video game history love what you guys are doing keep it up so let's see and Remy 
yeah <laughs> what what you guys are doing thanks what? so much bye <laughs> what what wow that's, so that's pretty funny green so bean orion case, green bean orion just in Please case you're ever your worried about the uh the robots taking over just know that they still can't understand what the fuck we're saying true and with that it is time to wind down the podcast so if you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode that we've done go check us out on whatever podcast service you listen to us on whether it be spotify apple Podcasts, google podcast stitcher tune in iheart radio podcast addict pocket cast whatever it may be give us a like leave us a review subscribe to us it goes a long way and we truly appreciate the support and if you've enjoyed this episode or anything else, think of heading on over to patreon.com slash plus one player. If you're feeling generous, throw us a buck or two, because as I mentioned before, every single dollar that we get will go right back to the show to make it the best we can be. And we have a great group of supporters that we would love to have you be a part of. So as always, episode 66 is winding down. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed making it for you. And with all that, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, we appreciate you. And we will talk to you all very soon. The moment everything changed. Wow. And from that <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Martinez was never the same. (laughs) One boy, one computer mouse, endless possibilities. (laughs) Matt Martinez is... Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow.